Quick programming note, this was recorded before the Lamar Jackson news kind of turned a little south as far as his availability and practice, and before DuVernay broke his foot and we picked up Sammy Watkins from the waivers. So while that part of the news was not in the episode, the rest of it, which is mostly focused on the Falcons, their offense, and their defensive capabilities, and that analysis holds true. So enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where we are going to have Christmas Eve football this year, and hopefully the flock will get the Christmas present of getting to watch Lamar Jackson again, who is being hinted uh, will give it a go, or at least attempt to, and hopefully as we'll be back on the field, because even though the these Falcons are not a very good football team this year, it uh, really feels like we need him back out there, even against the worst of the NFL's uh, has to offer right now so hopefully we, we can get Lamar back out there and uh, we can see some uh, some t- some multiple touchdowns would be good from this team right <laughs> it's been a bit I feel like it's settled for one at this point <laughs> sure <laughs> but uh, but yeah no you're right it's uh, I think we've, we've been getting reports for that for a couple of days now that hinting that Lamar might come back for uh, for this game I mean it would fit the timeline uh his PCL injury, I think we kind of assumed it might be a few weeks for him to come back. So it's been two games. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully he's healed up well. It sounded like um, he actually didn't make the trip to Cleveland. They didn't want it to kind of flare up or anything. But yeah, hopefully we get to see him on the practice report sometime this week and he'll be able to suit up. Definitely his he would be sorely needed uh, after you know the offense has kind of performed the last couple of weeks. So um would be good to get him back out there healthy and uh, – Changed the narrative from last year where we were kind of hoping that he might come back uh, for the rest of the season, but ended up uh, really not making a difference. So, yeah, I do think uh, you're right, Chris, in your analysis of like, we just, we need it. We need it back. We just, I think we need to see as a fan base, as an offense, as just a team in general right now, he's like our, our sign of hope, you know, like I think if he comes back, and we can see some corrections on the offense against the lesser opponent. I I would honestly say like even against a lesser opponent, just like give us give us a little bit of positivity, give us some touchdowns. Maybe a wide receiver catches a touchdown. Which, by the way, if you said a wide receiver is going to catch a touchdown as a bold prediction until last week, I would have been like, that's ridiculous. But now that the stats are in front of me, I'm like, it's actually a valid bold prediction. Not that that will be mine, but it's just like it's crazy that that's like something that we're asking for as a, a fan base and as a team. But I do think like it'll be just a huge plus to see him come back. Uh, and and honestly, even if he's like rusty and doesn't look great, like an opportunity to shake the rust off against a lower opponent is better than the divisional opponents coming up. So I would uh, really hope that he's able to suit up. Yeah, definitely. And really, this would look like on paper an excellent game for him to come back on. You've got a team uh, who's struggling this year from the South. He plays indoors coming up to uh, – Maryland in late December where there's going to be weather and you're going to have a quarterback who will be starting their first NFL game on the road, their second game in the NFL period. And that's not to mention that on the defensive side of the ball, the Falcons have just been atrocious at stopping the run all year long, uh, which would be excellent for Lamar. He could get back his, his legs and his arm in this game. Uh, But as we know, we learned this from uh, going into the Carolina Panthers game. 
Uh, the game needs to be played, and this team has, particularly on offense, had some some issues, some kinks they got to work out. So we can't assume anything this year. But with that said, uh, this offense with Lamar Jackson in there versus the Falcons defense looks like a heavy mismatch, one that is favored pretty highly uh, in favor of the Ravens. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit more. So, um, yeah, overall, so the Falcons uh, had Marcus Mariota uh, signed him for a, a year or two deal in the offseason um, over from the Raiders, if I recall. And, uh, you know, he played for them most of this year up until about two weeks ago. I think the last game was before their bye. I think their bye was two weeks ago. Um, ended up uh, making the decision to put in Ritter instead, and now Mariota's on IR, so he's not even coming back. So it's the Ritter show moving forward. But yeah, you're right, Peter. It's going to be his second game. Uh, made his debut against New Orleans last week at home. Uh, ended up losing that game, but it was somewhat close. But uh, yeah, definitely a recipe. I think the Ravens' defense in particular, if they want to put on a show uh, in front of the home crowd and kind of give this fan base a little bit of a jolt that everybody kind of needs, I think it's a good opportunity to do that. Yeah, I hope that the bank is like a lively place. I could see because of the holiday and because of the weather, people not wanting to show up and the current state of the fans uh, and the team. But like, I really hope it's a good place. I hope it gives us like a you know, a home field advantage and is really rocking because, uh, you know, the team could use a little bit of, a little bit of help, you know, a little bit of support. And while, uh, I'm all team Dobbins of like, you know, stick with us. It's going to be good. Once I'm, I'm back online and, you know, other things come online, et cetera. I, I, I just hope that we're able to see that, you know, kind of keep up. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Got to make sure that home field advantage is, is truly there. But at least the weather, like you said, Peter, I think it, it should be really noted. Uh, windy, cold, dome team. Uh, it, it could actually be a, a, a piece to this puzzle. Uh, seeing what I saw out of Ritter in his one start, I watched the whole game. Uh, I could see that being a problem for his game. Uh, not the most accurate passer some of the balls sailing on him. I can see like if the wind catches it or just like Marcus Williams is him. Like <laughs> it could be really bad. There could be some turnovers. You could definitely see uh, this defense or this offense struggle in the conditions. Yeah. I, I did not watch the game, although I did see some of the highlights and uh, yeah, he, he looks raw to me. Uh, timing seems to still be getting up to speed with the NFL level and the saints, credit them they're a really good uh defensive unit this year but we've seen them get had a couple times this year so it's it's was definitely a difficult matchup but not the hardest that he could have gone into uh, this year i would think it was a home game too so i would be surprised if if ritter is able to do much this game now that being said something that the falcons did have a good amount of success with in that game uh was uh was the run game. They were able to, to put up quite a few yards against uh, the Saints, which, again, we saw the Ravens do that with Kenyon Drake, so take that for what you will. But Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson, uh, Algier in particular, both had very strong games on the ground. And while not enough to get the Falcons a win, it still allowed them to uh, keep pace with the Saints in this game. And, and I believe that the Falcons uh, prevented the Saints from covering. I think that was at a four and a half point spread and the Falcons Ooh. only lost by three. So this offense through the air, it's it's Drake London and no one else. But 
they're starting to get some something going with their run game, which, like we said, we know the Ravens' run defense has been stellar these past five weeks. Uh, but I think that's still something to note when we're looking at this matchup. Somebody had to be so mad because uh, <laughs> when they covered, so they went for two to get to 18 points. Did they? A- and at first, it was a failed uh, attempt, but they called um, uh, a penalty. So they got a retry. And uh, the little bowling ball that could, Algier, uh, he was able to to go around the edge and score after initially getting contact. That's my note for him. I watched, you know, like I said, I was watching that game, and I, I really liked Algier, like as a, a best ball pickup, <laughs> and I was drafting him a lot. And I, and you know, he apparently was getting hated on by the fan base. I didn't know this, but I, I, that's what I heard when I did some reading. And uh, but you know, he's a very physical runner. You know, he breaks tackles. Uh, he can get a little bit of a head of steam when he gets moving. Uh, you know, not too bad for for a fourth round pick, and uh, I definitely could see him being a little bit of a problem if you don't, you know, take a good angle and try to tackle him well. I think he could break uh, an arms tackle, so keep an eye out for that. But I think overall our defense is pretty good about tackling. Cordell Patterson still a multi purpose tool in the offense. Uh, he was one of the first targets uh, in the game, and like you know, he he runs like real patterns because he has like that wide receiver background really weird looking wide receiver kind of looks more like a tight end i don't think he tucks in his jersey that's part of it too uh he just like he looks like a little like weird on the field but uh yeah cordell uh you know he's they built the offense a lot more around him last year than this year but uh still you know threatening he got a touchdown algier got a touchdown they're both pretty involved but algier looked like the lead back last week and i don't know how that will play out uh, a note for people like you know who really get into the fantasy football or deeper in the weeds caleb huntley got hurt in this game and he's done for the rest of the year i think it's an achilles so um unfortunately you know we won't be seeing him yeah i think cordell's uh resurgence uh the last year um kind of a little bit in the, this year as well although the offense has been a kind of a little uh scattershot as we kind of been talking about um but cordell's resurgence i think is uh it's been really cool to see i think um you know, the Ravens haven't had too much experience with him because he was over with the Vikings for a while. Although, um, as you know, I'm sure a lot of us remember that snowball game in 2013, uh, Cordell Patterson was a big part of that almost comeback by the Vikings. Um, Ravens could not tackle him to, to save their life on that uh, one screen pass that ended up giving them the lead late in the game. But uh, yeah, it's he's, he's a cool dude. Um, and just a, a really, uh, really cool player. I love his story. Um, he's definitely a guy I think the Ravens still need to watch out for a little bit. Um, definitely curious to, to kind of see how they want to use them and, and how the Ravens are going to be able to handle him. Uh, like you said, Alec, they're, they seem like they definitely bring two different uh, skill sets between Algier and, um, and Patterson. Um, just in terms of, you know, Patterson's got that vision. He's got the uh, a lot more speed where Algier is a little bit more of a power guy who can, um, you know, be a little bit slower of a runner. But, um, yeah, two different styles that the Ravens are going to have to prepare for. Another guy I'm really excited to to watch the Ravens match up against in this matchup is uh, is Drake London. Uh, I've he has gotten you know a little less uh, attention I think feel this year than guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and understandably um, he started out really strong uh, this year, but then he's had a string of games where he was pretty much non-existent on in the stat sheet. And I, I really feel that's more to do with the Falcons quarterback situation than his skill. 
And you look at Kyle Pitts and the drop-off he's had from his rookie year where he broke the rookie receiving record for tight ends and, and what he the, he's been, been able to do this year before he went on IR. I think you can look at that, and that kind of backs that up, that the quarterbacking and, and the passing concept in this offense is really letting down the receivers. But uh, he's had a little bit of a resurgence as of late, has co- scored some touchdowns and definitely had um, – w- was on the receiving end of majority of Ritter's passes when he was able to complete them. Uh, a big physical receiver, uh, I think he matches up interestingly with our secondary. Uh, again, it, he's not really going to be getting passes from a quarterback who's going to be able to utilize his full set of skills, but I still think that that through the air, that's going to be a, a matchup to watch with the Ravens. One, I think that the Ravens will be able to uh, you know, contain him enough that it's not really going to be an issue, but... Still, I think something that to watch out for. There's one play where London's arm was getting held by the defender, and he caught it with one hand against New Orleans. And I'm wondering if the flag didn't come out because he made such a good catch, and it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> you know, like, like you know, you would get denied or whatever. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was uh, kind of funny <laughs> that like he he's a pretty good player, and I, and one thing I was would add to the matchup problems you're talking about or the interesting matchups. You know, obviously when Marlowe's on him, that's going to be fun because great corner, pretty darn good wide receiver, bigger guy, difficult uh, target to fully slow down. But where I could see him really hurting us is when they move him into the slot, which I saw him do a couple times, mm-hmm. you know, him going against Hamilton while London lacks top end speed. He's still a faster player than Hamilton. I could see him be, being able to get separation it could be an interesting matchup because they're both bigger guys it could be fun to watch but i do think london would have his against hamilton so i don't want to see it too much and i do think they will lean upon that as much as one can as an offense but you know ritter just like the balls weren't terribly accurate his decision making was a little slow all i mean he just looked like a rookie so i do think like it'd be a lot for him to have his Renaissance game in the second, you know, week on the road against a, a pretty good defense. So I could definitely see us being able to take advantage of him a little bit. I was surprised how little advantage new Orleans took of him, but he did take a couple sacks. They didn't need to take and stuff like that. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how he plays out and uh, how this offense looks, but you know, kind of similar to the Ravens. You look at the pass catchers for the, them and they don't have anybody outside of london you're looking at like hodges the one guy with the name i'm not going to mispronounce right now uh i don't know if you guys know the pronunciation and it, it, it's just not good pitts is out for the rest of the year saying so that they lack that dynamic option and one of the analysis i saw is that they run a lot of digs crossers and fades that's about it <laughs> and like these guys aren't getting too much separation uh on those routes and i just think uh the offense is limited man i think they're, they're really gonna have to have good work from the run game um, and and a good bit of uh, difference making from London in order for them to have much of a ceiling. And I could see, I'd be surprised that the offense scores more than 13 points total. Um, and even that seems high. I would say the like standard deviation is probably at eight like, for the amount of points that they'll score. Like I, I just don't think they're going to do much unless we give them really good field position. Offensive line-wise, couldn't see too much. Like I said, uh, Ritter did get some pressures. Um, I, it's hard to say from one game watching him. Didn't see any 
super liabilities on their line. They didn't see anyone that seemed particularly dominant. PFF really likes them, apparently. And, and this is public information because I've seen several Atlanta Falcons uh, sites keeping tabs on this. Apparently, four of their linemen are in the top 10 for their position, and the other guy's like 17th or something like that. Again, you know, put that with what you will. Uh, but as someone who hasn't de- deep dived within the their line, um, yeah, apparently from what I'm seeing, like their line has actually been a pretty big surprise this year. Like they came in with the view that they would be one of the worst units in the league, but um, has actually been doing very well, particularly in run blocking. Uh, so there is uh, there's that to consider in this game. That actually checks. I, I believe it based on what I saw. They could be pretty good because like I said, like I said, it wasn't like there was no uh, key, uh, you know, hole in it. And I did see some really nice run blocks. That's part of the reason why Algier had the success he had. But a lot of it was also like him. But there were there were good blocks on the defensive side of the ball. Um, this looks like a, a spot that this could really be a good spot for the Ravens. Uh, this unit has struggled mightily this year. Uh, there's only been three games this season where uh, the Falcons have been able to hold a team to below 20 points uh, in a game. Uh, you had them hold. Uh, that was that weird game with San Francisco where San Francisco was only able to score 14 points. That that game still strikes out as a huge outlier on this entire NFL season. <laughs> 28 to 14 Falcons, who knew? Uh, but then uh, they held the Commanders and the uh, Steelers both to 19 points apiece. Now, granted... Those two games were very recent. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, those are the two games they played before the bye week. Uh, and the Saints, despite the fact that they got up to a, a big lead, still only managed to score 21 points uh, in that game. So relatively speaking, their defense has been doing a little bit better in that state. But again, I mean, if you if you watch the film of that game, I don't know, if Alec, if you noticed the same thing, but it seemed to me that there were running lanes open all day for uh, the Saints to take plenty of receivers and tight ends running with no one around them. Uh, it just didn't look like a scheme that was very scary at all. And then looked very easy to run, the, to move the ball against. And I might be putting that mildly. Correct. Peter, I would call it relatively soft. And it almost <laughs> felt like I've seen it before. Yeah. Trivia, right. <laughs> trivia question. Who is the defensive coordinator of uh, <laughs> the Falcons? None other than the twice coming out of retirement, Dean Pease. <laughs> And uh, the crazy story about last game, though, he wasn't even the defensive coordinator because he was in a collision during warmups and had to get sent to the hospital. Ooh. The guy should just he should stay retired. <laughs> he's yeah, too he's, old and uh, frail. Car collision or human collision? Human collision human, on the oh, field. Man. On the field. So he went to the hospital. He got hmm. released by like the third quarter. Apparently, like life's good, and I, he went, I think he made it back in time to uh, you know say something to the team after the loss. But uh, yeah, like. Really weird, but I guess there's a couple of things to pull from it from the defense. Super soft coverage overall through the game. However, they were able to stop the bleeding. They let up 14 points in seven minutes, and um, they they got burned by uh, Shahid, and they also uh, you know suffered a really long drive where it was just soft coverage and. You know, Andy Dalton was able to methodically go down the field uh, with Kamara's help and such and all that. It is, they, like I said, they cleaned it up a bit, but like, honestly, it was, there were still yards to be had. It was still pretty soft. And um, 
we should be able to run all over them. I mean, we run all over everybody, so it's not that interesting to say. But I could see us running for like 250 yards. Like, if we wanted to not pass this game, it, it could work out. <laughs> like, I really do think that. Like, they're not, they're not that big. A lot of their players are a little undersized. Like, one of the players that stuck out the most to me was uh, Grady Jarrett. And he, I looked him up. He's undersized, six foot, three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Like basically the same size as, uh, as but but shorter, I guess, a little bit shorter, I guess, than uh, than Linderbaum. And, you know, he had like, a good swim. He had some penetration. He had some splash plays. But he's just a smaller guy. You, you think about you know Zeitler Powers, and they're just gonna he's gonna get manhandled, man. Like I, th- I just think I could be I'd be surprised if he did too much. So I I do think that uh, we could we could really eat him alive in the run game it, it the ravens should definitely be able to run really effectively and be able to lean on that and actually score some damn points <laughs> yeah fun fact about uh grady jarrett uh he holds along with three other players uh the record for most sacks in a super bowl game with three um uh but yeah despite that though i mean he's he's a he's a good player but I, I feel like that game was an outlier of his career. Uh, you know, not someone who he's not on the level of like a Miles Garrett or or a TJ Watt as a pass rusher. That's for certain. Um, but he is among if we're looking at players that the the offense will have to keep track of while they're on the field. He's one of them for the Falcons. Um, I know AJ Terrell is a guy that Falcons fans are really high on. Uh, had a particularly good 2021. I think he struggled a little bit more. Uh, this year, but uh, again, we've seen this be something with the Ravens as of late. Uh, they go up against teams that have a, a up and coming young cornerback uh, that they're getting acquainted with. Um, but outside of that, really not much to say about the secondary. Um, and I, I hate to say it, but that might be it for the star player watch on this defense. It's just not much here uh, as far as established players uh, go. And I mean, I think that kind of ha- leads into some of the issues that they've been having this year is, you know, it's the scheme, but then it's also then not really having enough uh, players to really run what they are running to uh, to proper execution. Pass rush is not very good. Um, they do have Ebiketti, who has two and a half sacks, but um, I'm not sure how big of a piece will be in the game. I- I'm not sure if he's injured. I'm looking at it now to see if... Uh, if they if he's a part of any injury concerns yeah i was just gonna add um grady Jarrett to me i think is um almost kind of like a little bit better player at this point than um justin matabuke but probably would be a little bit similar kind of his body type a little bit i'm really curious to see how he plays up against uh Linderbaum, especially in pass sets because i think that's probably his biggest asset it's just from a interior pass rush perspective but yeah as, as far as linebacker i mean they have a couple of guys there who um coincidentally enough we're actually both in the 2018 draft but uh, the falcons did not draft either of them you've got rashawn evans you've got lorenzo carter uh coming from tennessee and the giants uh new york uh, giants respectively but uh yeah i mean i think like you know most of the nfl i think you know there are a couple of like really really good linebackers and then the rest are just sort of like you know can be exploited in kind of the run game or you know maybe a little bit undersized but also not good enough to be in the kind of pass game so they're doing okay uh, obviously, you know, a little bit higher in tackles for this year, but um, you know, not um, not like star players. I think on this defense, yeah, Agent Terrell was a highly drafted uh, corner in the twenty twenty draft, but you know, just no interceptions this year. He had three last year. 
Yeah, I'm just curious for the offense. Like, who's he going to be lined up against? <laughs> Obviously, like question. you know, we're yeah, after last game, we're just looking for anybody to really add some more consistency to this past game. But yeah, I mean, is he going to be lined up on uh, on Andrews most of the game? Is it going to be um, lined up on a certain side and just go up against you know Robinson for a handful of snaps? I actually don't know. Um, maybe you guys do if if he uh, uh, travels around or if we know that he uh, plays on a certain side or not. Not sure. Yeah, I didn't play that close of attention to see where he was lining up uh, when, when doing my watch. Well, we'll certainly find out. But yeah, I definitely <laughs> agree with you guys. I think in terms of like the secondary on their side, um, I think you'd be the guy to watch out for. But you know, obviously, I think um, I think we as Ravens fans are really looking just for you know just a turnaround from last week's game of just can they. Uh, just remove it from the system, flush it down the toilet, leave it in Cleveland, whatever they need to do, um, you know, and, and turn this offense around a little bit. And yeah, obviously I think, uh, you know, we're looking at this matchup as a ripe one just for the Ravens to run all over them. But that being said, you know, red zone offense, we're still looking for, you know, some more efficient red zone offense. Can we convert on more of these opportunities? Can we actually put more points on the board? And I do think, you know, you have to have a pass game at that point. So you know, I'd, I'd look at this of, you know, maybe the Ravens can get the more, can get the tight ends involved a little bit more. Uh, I will say we didn't really talk about this against Cleveland. I didn't feel like uh, the tight ends were really as involved as they could be in the passing game. Um, you know, we had a couple passes here and there, but it just, it really wasn't a focal point. You know, we talked about how Cleveland kind of maybe schemed it uh, that way and to kind of take advantage of, of Huntley's sort of limitations as a passer. But um, that being said, I, you know, it is on Roman, I think, to be able to counter that. And, you know, if Huntley plays, we got to find ways to get them a little bit more involved. But if Lamar plays, I think the game plan's got to be the same. I think we really got to figure out how to take advantage of, of all of our tight ends that we have in this passing attack. Yeah, it could be an interesting matchup. I did see Richie Grant make a good play um, when I was watching. And, and you might remember him from uh, 2021's draft, second round pick, kind of highly drafted. Um he could be an interesting option and, and see if he'll be able to take away at one of our tight ends. But I definitely think it could be a bounce back game for them because like I said, the whole offense is soft or the whole defense is, is relatively soft about the way they play. And I could see our more physical, uh, heavier body guys being able to be a big help in this game. Score predictions, bold predictions. Anything else you want to say? Leave us in the score predictions and bold predictions, Peter. Looking at that, uh, you know, like we're saying, this is going to be a cold game. Uh, should play into the Ravens' uh, favor. Should mean that we're going to see a lot of running from the Ravens. And that's why I'm going to go bold here. Look, I, I think that l- this last game may have been a wake-up call for uh, the team in some aspects, and we might see them... It, it might be counter what we would expect because cold weather is going to be hard to catch the football. But we might see them try and really uh, showcase the wide receivers here. Again, you're looking at the the last three games you're playing this season. This is your best opportunity to get this group right. Um, the Steelers' defense is has a good secondary. We saw that we can really run against them, but their secondary is good. And we know that the Bengals' game is going to be tough. Uh, so I think we're going to see the streak ended with wide receiver touchdowns. I'm not going to say who's going to get it, but I'm, I'm going to say my bold prediction is there's going to be two. It can be two wide receiver touchdowns on Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday. And I think that this is going to be a get-well game for the Ravens. 
this seems like a kind of a scary score prediction as far as you know betting money on it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I think the Ravens finally um, put some things together, fix some things. Lamar will be back. Ravens win thirty-one to nine. All right, I'm up next. Uh, I really like that bull prediction, Peter. Just in terms of uh, you know Ravens looking at trying to find some answers for this for this offense. Turn to the wide receivers. Um, I'm gonna go in a slightly different direction. Um, I'm gonna say. That uh, that Mark Andrews gets a little bit more involved. Um, you know, we've been talking about a couple of weeks of just figuring out where is he? Is he getting double teamed? Is he hurt? What's going on with Mark Andrews? Um, I'm gonna say that he finishes with at least 50 yards and a touchdown this game. I'm gonna say the Ravens get him a little bit more involved, particularly in the red zone, and he kind of helps uh, the offense uh, in that area. I, I do think this is a good matchup for the Ravens. But that said, 31, that's a lot of points for an offense right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to go a little bit more of a lower scoring game. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say 16, 16 to 9 Ravens. Oh, gross. I know. <laughs> I hate it. But... Uh, so if that happens, the Ravens push. They're currently favored by 7 points. And the over-under is, is 37 points. Here's what I'm thinking, guys. This is this is my bold prediction. It's so it's so ridiculously insulting, but I think it could happen. It definitely is bold. I want to hit. Like if it hits, it'll feel good. I don't know if you can even bet on it, but uh, the Ravens' defense outscores the offense of the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically saying I think they're going to hold them to under six points, and the Ravens are going to find a way to score a touchdown on uh, some sort of uh, turnover. So. It's really aggressive, but I'm basically more so saying only six points are going to be scored by the team. Now, the thing with the <laughs> score prediction is like, I don't know, man. Like, is this the week that they like get the 30 points? They have a three in front and like the offense looks good. Or is it going to be a 16? I'm going to go in the middle. I'm thinking they score like 24 points. <laughs> and like, I guess if I'm saying the Ravens defense is scoring some of it, I guess they only score two touchdowns. Uh, so ah not great 24 to 6 ravens well let us know what your score and bold predictions are for this team hopefully you're as optimistic as we are and the ravens see it that way too and deliver all the promises of a good performance where they're able to get uh on the right foot before they start playing the last two divisional games that will really decide their seating and how this playoffs are going to go for them you can follow us on Twitter, One Winning Pod, and on YouTube at One Winning Pod. And we'll be having a history quarter later in the week. Definitely make sure to check it out. They come out every Friday morning. Great way to start your Purple Friday. And otherwise, go Ravens, beat the Falcons, and have a great holiday season. As we'll talk to you after that.